Okay. Uh, good afternoon, good evening. Um, hopefully behind me, there it is, is our theme for this evening. Uh, big question, really big question. Is God unfair? And hopefully, um, as I speak to you, um, that question will be answered. Um, but I think a good way to begin this evening would be to begin with God. I think it's only fair, if we're posing this question to God, it's only fair to begin with him and allow him, before accusing him of being unfair, to allow him to speak for himself. To allow through his word for him to tell us what he's actually like. So that's how we're going to start. I'm going to read four verses from the Bible, okay? After I've read them, what I want you to do is shout out some of the things, some of the ways it describes God to be like. Okay, happy with that? Four verses, and then some audience participation would be very much welcome. Deuteronomy 34, uh, 32 verse 4 says this, He is the rock. His works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. Psalm 33 verse 5 says, the Lord loves righteousness and justice. Psalm 50 verse 6 says, And the heavens proclaim his righteousness, for he is a God of justice. And finally, Psalm 89 verse 14 says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Four verses. Over to you. Shout out. Hands up if you are. God is just. God is just. Thank you. Definitely says just a few times in there. Rock. A rock. Thank you. <coughs> Faithful. Faithful. Thank you. Three. Any more? <coughs> Say it again. Perfect. Righteous. Yes. Any more? Perfect. Perfect. Yes. Certainly all of those things. And maybe a few more to boot. But our starting point then for this evening, allowing God to speak for himself, is exactly, is exactly that. The Bible puts forward that God is consistent, he's perfect, he's faithful, he's just, he is righteous. And that's how I want you to see God tonight. Hopefully by the time we leave this evening, your view of God will be enhanced, will be changed, will be the way God actually is. God, I want you to see him as a God, a perfect king, seated on a throne. I want you to see him as our judge, looking down on us, looking at everyone's life, looking at everyone's heart, and being our judge. A just judge. Now as judge, God has decided to deal with us, his creation, through law. Now, interesting, when I say that word, law, various things may spring to people's mind. My friend down there, Johnny, what might spring to his mind is laws are there just to catch you out. Recently, he was involved in an incident coming home from church one Sunday evening, driving through Oakley, not too far away, and he was caught. He was caught speeding. Oh, tut, tut, tut. But his opinion of that would be, 
Ah, the law's there, right? The law's definitely there. I got caught by the law, but it's only there to catch me out. Yeah? Yeah? Some, some other people might say, maybe some of the young people here, laws are just there, and to be honest, they're, they're pretty silly. They're pretty pointless sometimes. Maybe rules at home, maybe rules at school. I remember in my school, one of the most pointless rules I've ever experienced is, in our school we had a one-way system, okay, along the main corridor. And even if your lesson was just five metres away, down the wrong way, you couldn't go down the wrong way, down the wrong, down the wrong one-way system. You had to go right round, right across the yard. It took about ten more minutes than it should have done just to get to your next lesson. A pointless, a stupid law. But if we're honest, if we really think about it, I think we'd agree when it gets down to it, the laws are actually pretty good. Laws are good because without them, if we don't have rule by law, then we may have rule by power, rule by money, when those that don't have those things won't get the justice that they deserve. Let me give you an example. What if three guys come to court, okay, and they've committed exactly the same crime? Now, one of these guys is a rich guy, very, very wealthy. One of them is just normal, middle class, nice fella. And the third one is poor. So a rich guy, a middle class guy, and a poor guy. And the judge says to the rich guy, I'm going to let you off. I'm going to let you go scot-free. To the middle age, to the middle class guy, he says now to you, you're going to have to pay, eh, you're going to have to pay a fine. A considerable, a considerable fine, but a fine. And to the poor guy, he says, to you, I'm going to give a life sentence. The judgment that I have on you, the punishment for the crime that you've committed, even though they're all the same, is for you, a life sentence. Now, what's our response? What's your response to that? That's not just. That's wrong. For the judge to give different punishments based on something as trivial as their income is, is wrong and unjust. And why do we feel like that? Why do I feel like that? It's because I want justice. I appeal to justice and I appeal to the law. The law is good because it protects us. And you see, that's how God deals with us. Remember how we sell God to be like, what he is like in the Bible. Uh, the verses we looked at explain that. God deals with us justly, fairly, perfectly, righteously, through law. And God's fair in the way he does it as well. He's fair because he doesn't just let us go about it ourselves, guessing what his law are, and letting us figure out himself whether we keep them or not. No, he, he gives us his law. A fair God, who judges us by law, gives us his law. And Romans chapter 2 says that he gives us his law in two ways. Firstly, he gives us consciences. He gives us the understanding of what's right and wrong. He gives us the law literally written on our hearts through our consciences. And also, he gives us the law through his word. 
He's given us his scripture, his word, written in the Bible to tell us what his law is. So we have the law written on our hearts and we have the law written in the Bible. And when we come before God, who is the just judge, God literally takes the law written in our hearts and the law written in his word and he examines our life in the light of that. He asks questions such as, where did we fail to do what the law tells us to do? And when did we do exactly what the law tells us not to do? You see, sin is breaking God's law. In 1 John 3, verse 4, that's exactly what it says. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. God gives his law and we break it. That's the definition of sin. So the result of all this is we're sinners. God looks at me, God looks at us and says, you're guilty. You're a lawbreaker. You're unjust. And it's right for God to do that. The just God, the perfect God, the righteous God, rightly declares us to be unjust. We are sinners. Now, some of you might come back to me and say, well, Nathan, I'm not totally bad. I'm alright. I'm a pretty good person, actually. You say I'm a sinner, but I just don't see that. I'm alright. You see, we tend to see things in degrees, don't we? There's the really good people. There's the really bad people. And then there's everyone in between. The okay people, the pretty decent people. But you see, God doesn't see things by degrees. God doesn't see people and grade them on a scale. God sees things as righteous or unrighteous. He sees things as just or unjust, as perfect and imperfect, holy and unholy. God sees it as all or nothing. Let me try to illustrate that. If you took a glass of water, perfectly pure water, and you put one drop of pollution in the water. How much of it is made unclean? How much of that water is made unclean? Exactly. All of it's made unclean, right? One drop makes the whole thing dirty and corrupt. This is how James puts it in 2 James 10. If you break one aspect of God's law, you're guilty of breaking it all. It's all or nothing. And what's more, God not only judges our life, he judges our hearts as well. He he not only looks at our actions, what we do, but he looks at our motives. How scary would it be if our whole life was like a monitor on top of our heads, like a teleprompter? And all our motives, 
Everything we thought, all our motives were displayed on it. Imagine, I went up to Wellesley. We all know Wellesley. And I came up to him, shook his hand. How are you doing, Wellesley? But then, on top of my head, my teleprompter, it actually read, oh, I hate this guy. He's so annoying. Oh, I can't be doing with him. Oh. But that's how God sees us. God sees not just our actions, our outward actions that sometimes seem so good, but he sees the motives that are behind them. And the result of all this is our situation, that we're all enemies of God. We are all at war with God, separated from him. We don't love God. We don't listen to God. We don't obey God. We don't think like God. We don't feel like God. We don't act like God. Now, my question to you then is, if this is the situation, if God is this type of God, and we're this type of people, what is the fair response for God to have? Surely, the fair response for God is to administer justice. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. The just response, the right response from God to sinners is to administer the death penalty. Some of you may say, how can a loving God send people to hell? My question is, how could a just God take anybody to heaven? How could God put up with this? How could God let this continue to happen? Can God just let us off? Okay, imagine in your own life, you're the offended party. Imagine someone did something terrible to you. You go to court, the day of justice arrives, and the judge says to the, the guy who's done this to you, he says, how do you plea? And the guy goes, your honour, I'm guilty. And what's more, I've done other things that you don't even know about. And then the judge looks at the guy and says, it's not a problem. Feel free to go. We all have bad days, don't we? I'm going to let you off. You and I'd be sitting there in the courtroom saying, that's a disgrace. That's a travesty of justice. He's not even arguing over his guilt. The man is fully condemned. He admits what he's done. And the judge does nothing. Where is the justice? See, when we're the offended party, we want justice. And when God is the one who's been sinned against, he deserves justice. And God is perfect. He's always right. His verdict is always accurate. His judgment is just. How can God let someone off for the sin? He can't. That would be a travesty. He can't simply let them off. 
The question then is, how can a just God, how can a right God, a fair God, declare guilty people to be innocent and give them life instead of death? His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. It's made possible through the cross where Jesus, who is God, became a man, lived without sin. He was completely just. And on the cross, he takes my sin and gives me his righteousness, his perfection, his innocence. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, God made him, that's Jesus, who knew no sin to become sin, so that in him I might become the righteousness of God. Jesus dies for my sin. He literally takes the death penalty and dies for me. And then he gives me his righteousness So now, not only am I forgiven, but I'm made righteous with God through Jesus. Jesus died suffering the death penalty for my sin and for your sin, literally. Jesus is our judge. We stand before him and he says, you're guilty, you're unjust, and the penalty is death. But then he says, I'm going to come down and I'll go to the cross. I'll suffer and die in your place. He's the victim and the judge. And he not only forgives me, but he suffers and dies for me. That's a loving God. There's no other God like that. And what an unfair swap it is. That God would send Jesus, the perfect Jesus, to die in the place of an unperfect Nathan. What a swap. What a swap that is. So in answer to the question, is God unfair? No. (laughs) No, God is just. But God is gracious. God is just, but God is gracious. So tonight, if you're not a Christian, if you haven't accepted that swap for yourself, if you haven't trusted in it, maybe you think you can trust in other things, the faith of your parents, your attendance at church, coming here, Can I tell you, that's not where to put your trust. Put your trust in Jesus. Give Jesus your sin and let him give you his righteousness tonight and you'll be declared innocent by faith in Jesus through grace from Jesus because of the life, death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. And if you're a Christian, how class is that swap? What a swap that is 
that we have received through Jesus. The guilty given grace through Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the God that you are. I thank you that your word explains so clearly that you are a God who is just, who is right, who makes right and good decisions and is a rock who is consistent, who never makes mistakes. And Lord, when it comes to us, we deserve justice and the justice we deserve is is death because of our rejection of you. But Lord, at the same time, we thank you. I thank you so much for Jesus. I thank you for his death and what it means. I thank you for the, the amazing, the unfair swap that it provides for us, that God would send Jesus, the perfect one, to die in the place of, of me, the guilty one. But Lord, I accept it. I trust in it. And Lord, may we all do the same tonight. May we all trust in that exchange for ourselves and have hope that we can become in a relationship with God again because of that. Our Lord, I pray these things in the name, the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.